Hello, everyone. This is Melinda Russell with Women's Motorsports Network and the Racing Girls Rock podcast. And it's my pleasure today to have as my guest, Taylor Hagler. And Hi. Taylor lives in Texas. Yes. And so we're going to learn a lot about Taylor, a little bit about herself, and then some about her racing. So, Taylor, I want to welcome you to the show. Yeah, and thank you. you. Yeah, you're welcome. And would you first like to tell us a little bit about yourself? maybe where you live, your family, any pets, what do you do besides racing, any of those kind of things that would get some information so we know a little more about you. Yeah, of course. Uh, like you said, my name is Taylor and I race with uh, Brian Hurd Autosports in the Hyundai Elantra. Um, let's see, I'm 27, live in San Antonio, have pretty much my entire life. Um, I have my own house. I've moved downtown. So I have my own house. We've been doing a little bit of renovation projects. Just finished my master bathroom, which has been a two-month project, but it's mm -hmm. done now. Um, I've got three dogs, two of which are dying to come inside, but they're very loud and rambunctious, so they can <laughs> they can stay outside for a little bit. Yeah. Um, I used to ride horses for 12 years. I don't have any anymore um, now that I moved off of my parents' house and everything, um, and they're just too expensive to, like, board and I don't want to pay for yeah. mortgage and for their rent um, right. and I actually do have a day job as well I work in as, as an administrative assistant in an aviation company so okay <laughs> awesome so is that your mom yes yes so that's okay mom peeked in to make sure what we were up to so that's good so um taylor that's you know most everybody has a job don't they to support their racing yeah. there's not too many people that i talk to that don't have some way to fund the racing because right. even though you might have a lot of sponsors it never pays for everything right. so <clears throat> i totally get that now why don't we start with how did you get involved in motorsports what what age were you what got you interested from horses to cars? Well, so I didn't actually start driving a race car until 2018. Um, I did like a Skip Arbor racing school in 2015 and then a two day racing school in 2016 and took a year off for shoulder surgery and then started my actual season and uh, club racing in 2018. But my dad's always been a big racing fan so I think probably since the age I was like six, I was watching races with him and I really enjoyed watching it. And I think probably by the time I was a teenager, he started taking me to Petit Le Mans and that's kind of where I fell in love with it. But um, when I was younger, my choices were either show jumping or karting. We couldn't afford both. So I went with the horse side and put the racing off for a while and was able to get her and just kind of took off from there. Okay, awesome. So why don't you tell us a little bit about um, in 2000, you said 18, you started. So what class did you start in? How did you get started? And then what are you doing now? Yeah, in 2018, um, I started running with NASA and a little bit of SCCA doing Spec Miata. I did a year of Spec Miata 2019, um, one of the teams that I ran with in Spec Miata kind of wanted to go pro. So we ended up doing TCA and SRO. And then it kind of went from doing TCA and SRO with Honda to 2020 doing TCR and IMSA with Honda. And now 21, 
to 23 has been TCR with Hyundai. Okay, awesome. So TCA, tell us what that means. I don't really know what the actual like acronym stands for, okay. but um, it's like basically street homologated race cars. It's so TCA was just the regular Honda Civic drove just like the regular street car, looked okay. like a regular street car, just gutted with a roll cage. Okay. I, I thought maybe it was me. So I'm glad you didn't know either because I wasn't sure what that meant. So yeah, it's touring car something. Yeah. Touring car association. We'll yeah. just say that's what it is for now. <laughs> so tell me what, what is it about car racing that keeps you going? You know, I, I know it's a, it's an expense. It's a lot of work. It's a lot of um, you know, you're, there's no, no off season. We laugh when we say about the off season. So what is it about racing that you love that makes you continue in that sport? I mean, honestly, I really love the atmosphere of it and the competition factor, obviously with show jumping, I've grown up competing my entire life and that's just kind of a part of who I am. And the off season is something that I'm used to. The hard work is something that I'm used to. Um, the only thing that like, I'm not really used to, that's like the biggest difference is with show jumping, you're outside practicing riding your horse every day mm -hmm. for a couple hours a day um, that we don't really have the opportunity for that. Yeah. Really? I mean, most we can do is sim racing, um, which really isn't quite the same. Um, so adjusting to that was a little difficult, but mm -hmm. to me, I think it makes it a little bit more challenging. And that's kind of what I, that, that's kind of my motto for my entire life. I like to make my life as difficult as possible. So <laughs> why not do one of the most difficult serious and one of the most difficult sports. Absolutely. And so I, I have to laugh when you say about making your life as difficult as possible, hopefully in a good way though. Yeah. Yeah. I just, I, I don't like easy things. I like things that challenge myself. I like to have to work a little extra harder. Um, I don't know if it's my ADHD brain or what it is, but if something's a little too easy, I just kind of get bored. Okay. Yeah. Well, that makes sense. Absolutely. For sure. Yeah. So in the series that you run, the kind of cars that you run, um, are you competing mostly against men or are there a good number of women as well that race those series? Um, specifically in IMSA with TCR, I'm the only female TCR in IMSA. I do believe over in Europe, there's a couple other TCR women drivers, but here in the States, I'm the only one. Um, so TCR does run with GS at the same time, which are the GT4 cars. Uh -huh. There are a couple women in the GS. Um, and then also a couple women in the WeatherTech series. Okay. But I think out of the entire paddock, there's maybe, I think Daytona, there was five or six of us. And that's, I think, the most we've had in a really long time. Okay. All right. So still with the minority, basically, in those series. So that's one of the reasons we want to get the word out about them. is yeah. because we'd like to see more women running those types of cars, those types of races. So you were at Daytona. Mm-hmm. Okay. Tell, tell us about that. Tell us what was Daytona like? What did you do? I want to, I want to feel like I was there with you. Yeah. Daytona was, it was a rough one this year, actually. Um, so we were there for two weeks. We had one weekend was Aurora before the 24 test weekend. And then the next weekend was actual race. Um, so we got there, did our meetings, did our track walk. Um, it was a very big media filled weekend with all the interviews and press conferences and taking the IMSA photo headshots and stuff like that. Um, so we finished up our roar three days and then every year Hyundai does a driver camp, which is like a team bonding, athletic building, 
driver camp. Um, so this year we ended up doing it in Daytona. Normally we go and do an indie with pit fit, but everyone is going to be in Daytona figured might as well do it between the roar and the race. So we went ahead and did that. Um, couple things didn't really go to plan, but, um, you know, Katie and Liz, our PR and our assistant with Hyundai were, they were really great at kind of getting everything switched up and working. Um, so we did do a little bit of like zip lining, uh, carting, kayaking, biking, dinners, top golf, just a lot of like team building light workouts. So we weren't too tired for the race. Um, okay. so that was a lot of fun. And then we had the actual race weekend which was still just as crazy as the roar, um, just not as much media. And then our race didn't really go as planned. It was a four hour race. Um, I did the first hour and a half and we came in during a yellow, did our driver change. I brought the car home in second. And then we had a part on the car break, um, which wasn't the greatest, but the Hyundai crew did a really good job of getting the car back out in I think from the time that Michael stopped on track, towing it back to the garage, the guys fixing it and getting back out on track, it was about 47 minutes. Wow. So we did finish eighth, which was a good points day. It was better than not finishing at all. So Absolutely. the guys did a really good job about getting the car fixed and getting it back out. And 47 minutes seems very quick, honestly, considering yeah. he stopped on the track, you know, by the time he stopped, they throw the yellow, they get him back to the garage. And that, and yeah. then the, that's really very quick. Yeah, yeah. No, they did a great job. That looks like, you know, they're on fast speed on the camera, right? Oh they're, yeah. They're all running around very quickly. Yes. Yeah. It's important so, just to stay out of the way. Yeah, absolutely. Just let them do their job and get you guys back on the track. So yeah. who else was on your team that were driving that weekend? Um, so within the Brian Herta Hyundai crew, we had me and Michael, um, Robert Wickens and Harry Gottsacker, and then Mark Wilkins and Mason Philippi. Okay. So you drove for an hour and a half and that's a four hour race. And yeah. so, um, typically is that longer than what the other drivers, you know, actually drove or. Um, it kind of just depends on like how the yellows throw. So it's two per car for the four hour race. You can do three, but we always do two per car. Okay. I mean, you split it two and two. It's not a big deal. Um, normally we would do two and two, but it kind of just depends on how the yellows fall. If we end up getting a yellow around the hour and a half to two hour mark, and it's a good time to come in for fuel and we need new tires, you might as well just come in okay. or it could be a little longer than two hours. It kind of just depends on how the yellows fall. Okay. All right. So there's no like set time. She's going to drive this long. He's going to drive no. this long or whatever. It's it just more. Every race is probably a little different. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. There is like most of our races are two hour. We do have a minimum drive time of 40 minutes and a okay. maximum of an hour and 20. So even the two hour races, I'll always do more than 40. But usually I think the longest I've done in a two hour is like an hour 15, just okay. depending on how my pace is going, where my placing is, how the yellows are falling. Okay. Good stuff. All right. So the people that are on your team or even drivers on other teams, how many years would you say they've been involved as drivers in this series? Um, all of them a lot longer than me. That's what I, that's what <laughs> I wanted you to talk about. <laughs> all of them a lot longer than me. I mean, just in IMSA particular, 
I'm not really sure how long each of them have been racing. Um, I know Harry did karting when he was younger. Michael did karting when he was younger, did a bunch of open wheel stuff over in Europe, um, drove with Porsche for a few years. I mean, like he's a godsend is what he is. Mm -hmm. uh, Mason did some karting. Robert Wickens has been around for a while. He was open wheel IndyCar driver. Um, and Mark has been around for a lot longer than me too. So, yeah. So the fact that number one, you're a woman and number two, you haven't done this for very long. It's pretty impressive to see what you've accomplished. And, and like you said, you came in second, you were coming in second when you pitted mm -hmm. before you had your, um, you know, your car break. And so I would say from what I know of it, and you tell me if I'm wrong, that that would be an above average, um, above average performance for someone who hasn't driven as long as you have. That's, uh, that's what a lot of people would say. Um, I'm typically not the one to brag on myself, ring my own bell, whatever saying you want to call it. Um, and that's always something that like my manager and my team always has to remind me because um, I'm obviously harder on myself than anyone else is I haven't been doing it as long as other people, but I still expect the same performance out of myself as veterans. Um, so I always have to have that reminder, but that's what majority of people have said is it, it, it is a little above average for someone with not the same experience as other people to be driving at the same level. Yeah. That's, that's what I would say from the knowledge that I have from interviews and watching racing for 30 years <laughs> that yeah. I would say you're above average when it comes to that. So what do you think, why do you think that is? Do you typically catch on to things quicker? Do you have a natural ability? Do you, you know, do I racing or something similar simulator? What is it that helps you like hold your own? I would say, if not, you know, do better than some of the other drivers in the series. Yeah, I'm, I'm honestly not really sure. I mean, I, I would say, I'll go ahead and I guess toot my own horn a little bit. Be Absolutely. A little conceited. Um, I would say I do have at least a little bit of natural ability. I think, I think everyone that does race cars has to, I, it is something that you can learn, but I think in order to be great, you have to have the natural ability regardless. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, you can learn to be good, but you, I don't think you can ever learn to be great. Um, so I think every driver has some natural ability. It just, it is what it is. Um, but honestly, I think showing horses for 12 years of my life, I was able to learn courses really easy, find all the in and outs, doing the track walks was the same as show jumping. We always walk our course, find the best way to get from each jump to the other mm -hmm. jump. And so that was something I was able to carry over really well. Um, and I, I do learn things very quickly. Um, I'm, I guess, a visual learner, but I'm more of a hands-on learner. So I have to be given, we, we go over data a lot and I'm given one or two points. And if I need to break a little later, like, that's always been one of my strong suits is being able to take the data, being able to take what I'm told and instantly go out and try it. It doesn't really take me a couple of times. Like Michael tells me like, Hey, you need to break three seconds later here. I'm like, okay, I'll, I'm trusting you. We're going to go break three seconds later here. That's I think one thing that has helped me a lot is being able to trust the professionals that are around me. And if they say I need to do this and they're obviously right. Cause they know what they're doing. So I'm just, 
gonna go and do it. That um, that's pretty much what happened. Uh, the first time I ever tested a TCR car, I tested in Road Atlanta, my first time in a TCR car at that track. And the coach that was with me was like, yeah, S's can be done flat. You just got to do it right. I went out. I was like, oh, he said S's can be done flat. So we're going to go for it. They cannot be done flat Um. on cold tires. But I did catch the car and nothing happened and I stayed on the track. But that's just kind of how I've done things. If a pro says this is what it can do, then okay. That's what you say. We'll go do it. Right. that's, That's a lot of what has to do with the success is trusting the people that I'm around and having the best people around me at all times. I mean, you're only as good as your worst guy. So, so I, what I hear is um, that you have a lot of confidence in yourself, which is a good thing because if he says you can do this or you need to do that, you know that you're able to do that. Yeah. You are able to do whatever they suggest that you do. Yeah. And you're, you're not second guessing them or yourself about your ability. You just put it right to the test and go for it. Yeah. I mean, the, what's the worst that can happen? Exactly. It doesn't work out. You press the brakes. You might spin a little bit. You're good to go. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So tell me some of the tracks that you've raced at and what is your favorite place to go? Oh, so we do a lot of the big tracks. Um, so we started in Daytona. We'll go to Sebring. We do Laguna Seca, Watkins, Canadian Car Motorsports Park, Lime Rock. We're doing Indianapolis this year. That's a new one for us. Um, where else have we gone? Road America, Road Atlanta. I feel like I'm missing some, but those are kind of the main ones. Okay. Um, Road Atlanta is by far my favorite. That one, the track itself is a great track. It's very technical, but also very flowing, and it takes a lot of strategy. Um, But that one also just has sentimental value for me because I grew up going to Petit Le Mans. Um, So that one's a lot of fun, and Wadkins is one of my other favorites. I tend to do well at Lime Rock. For some reason, I do really well at the more technical, like, karting-style tracks that are very turny. I don't do well at tracks like Road America where there's a lot of straightaways. Mm-hmm. I need to constant. I have to be doing something at all times. Okay. Driving straight just doesn't quite do it for me. Um, I did get the opportunity last year to go test over in Portugal at Portimao. And that was an amazing track. It was terrifying. It was technical. It was everything I expected a European track to be. And that one was, that one was a lot of fun too. That sounds like a, a great memory and a great trip that you had. So how does that come about? Tell me like the team you're on, how did you get chosen for the team? And then when you go there to test, does your whole team go? They just send you to go. How does the car get there? Is it somebody else's car? All those questions. Yeah. So um, at that time, what was last year, 2022, yes. um, I was still racing for Brian Herta, but in 21, I also did run in GT3 and SRO um, with Acura and Racer's Edge. Um, And me, I I drove with two different co-drivers. They just kind of alternated races. It was Jacob Abel and Dakota Dickerson. Um, And we did pretty well collectively. We came in second in the championship. I was rookie of the year. Um, I think we missed the championship by like one race. We just needed one more win and we would have had it. So 
there was a team over in Europe that reached out to a couple different GT3 drivers. Um, it was a Mercedes team. They reached out to me, Dakota, uh, I think another driver in Canada, and then a couple over in Europe. Um, and they were looking for basically like a driver development series. They wanted some junior Mercedes drivers to run with some of their pro drivers and have an AM car. Um, so they selected some of us and we went over individually. They had the car there. They had everything set up and we tested for two days. And at the end of that, they selected like who they wanted as their drivers. Okay. So amazing opportunities and experiences, yeah. um, whether you get picked or not, you still get the right. experience, yeah. right? Absolutely. Yeah, and, absolutely. you know, what are the chances that you would be able to do that had you not been involved in motorsports? Exactly. Yeah. I mean, before I got involved in motorsports, I mean, I had only been to Europe once in my life. So being able to use racing almost as an excuse to travel to Europe mm -hmm. is great. Makes it tax deductible that way, right? Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, that's kind of what we did. My parents went with me to Portugal and we went over there, I think, like three or four days prior to the test. Kind of explored a little bit, got acclimated to the time change and then mm -hmm. did the test and went home. Yeah, that's that's amazing. I haven't been to Europe or really anywhere outside of the United States other than Canada and Mexico. Um, but, you know, I've got some things on my bucket list. Yeah. But I'm not a race car driver and I never was. And so some of those opportunities are going to have to be ones that I create and not right. ones that someone else invites me to do. But I've got, some, I've got some places on my list to go for sure. So, Taylor, what do you think has been your biggest challenge, whether it be as a woman in motorsports, as a driver, what's been your biggest challenge in motorsports? That's a tough one. Honestly, I think, and this is going to sound a little weird. I think my biggest challenge is myself because I do expect perfection and I do want to be just as good, if not better than my teammates, my co-drivers, everyone else in the paddock, regardless of what car they're in. So I am my biggest challenge. Mm -hmm. And I'm not very good at keeping my emotions in check with myself. So if I don't do as well or I don't bring the car home in top five where I want and I'm sixth or seventh, like my parents know, like if I have my face on, just don't approach me because it's not going to be a good time. Okay. Especially because, I mean, that's kind of how parents are too. It's like, oh, you did great. That was such a good stint. Obviously with my team and everything, I'm like, oh, thank you. Like could have done a little better, but it's fine. But with my parents, I'm like, no, get off. Leave me alone. Yeah, for Don't sure. Don't speak. And you know, it's funny you say it, it, that might be an odd answer. It's really not. It's something that I hear, you know, I, I basically interview women, but um, I can't say that I've ever heard a guy say that he gets in his own way, which is kind of what you're saying. Yeah. You kind of get in your own way. But I do hear that from a lot of women that I interview. When you ask them what has been hard or struggle, they want to be, they want to be the top. They want to be perfect. They want to, you know, all the things that you just said. And I don't know if that's just more of a trait that we as women want to number one, maybe show everybody that we can do it when it's a man's sport, or if it's more that we expect better of ourselves than we expect from others. 
And I think that's a lot of things that a woman does. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's a little bit of both. Cause I, like I have my expectations set for myself, but I also know like firsthand of my like thought process in it is very much like, this is my career. I can lose my contract at any time if I'm not performing up to expectations and the expectations are typically set for men because that's majority of the sport, which is fine. That that's the expectation. That's the bar that's set and we should be able to reach that bar just as easily as they can. There's no reason why not. So I feel like when we do fall a little short of that bar for regardless of what reason it could be external events that happened, we still take it out on ourselves because I think that's just a female trait. I do too. I, I absolutely do too. So on the other side of that, then what's the thing that you love the most race days coming up in the next day or two, what are you looking forward to the most? Honestly, I really, I, the biggest thing for me is the atmosphere. Like the most, the thing that I get most excited for is like the fan walk. It took me probably a good six months to a year to get used to it. I'm not the most social person. I'm very much an introvert. Um, and I used to not be like the biggest fan of like interviews and pictures and this and that, um, especially my first year of IMSA because it was COVID year. So I think I got to do one fan walk that entire year and that was it because everything was shut down. Right. So by the time 2021 and 22 came around, I was still fresh to these yeah. malls at fan walks. Um, but I think by the end of 21, like that kind of became one of my favorite things to do. I'd sign the autographs, stand there, take pictures, answer people's questions, meet them, hand out stickers. Like that's definitely become one of the things that I look forward to. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, obviously you love the racing and the speed yeah. and the competition. That's a non that's something we don't even have to talk about because we know that that's part of it. But I love hearing you say that you love the fan walk because for me, if I was in your shoes, that's the part I would love. Yes, yeah. I'm not an introvert and I love that kind of thing. And it sounds like maybe it's kind of brought you out of your shell because now you like that kind of thing. Yeah, so, it definitely does. Yeah. So that's helped you grow as a person. Yeah. Um, again, motorsports has brought that about, which we love th that we can claim that motorsports has done yeah. a lot of good things oh, in yeah. your life and many others as well. It's great to have on a resume. You learn a lot of skills from it that people don't really realize. Yes. Yeah, I agree. And, you know, part of it is too, I just had this conversation with someone uh, it's the only sport that you know you're going to lose more than you're going to win. Oh, yeah. Typically. And, and so uh, a person who's able to process that going in, knowing that that's going to be the case and still expects to win every time, we expect that we're going to win every time, don't we, Taylor? But, but in reality, we know that that's not probably going to happen. Yeah. But that's, that's a good learning thing for life. Yeah. Yeah. See, I, sure. I, I feel like I kind of learned that when I did, I showed horses. Mm -hmm. um, like, obviously, every every driver wants to win every time they go out. But I think show jumping taught me a little bit more of uh, realism versus like being opportunistic. And yeah, I've never really had the expectation of like, I'm going to go out and win this race. It's more of like, a, I would love to win. 
but if I don't, I don't. Top five would be great. Podium would be amazing. Win would be wonderful. Right. But like, I'll settle for a podium. Not a big deal. And yeah. that's, I think that's one of the things that has gotten me and Michael our two championships back to back is, yeah, we both want to win every race, but if you go out there with the mindset of like, I will do anything to win this race, you're more than likely not going to finish the race. That's very true. And we're very much like, let's just try and get a podium, keep it consistent, podium mm -hmm. every race and championships that done. Ab absolutely. Yeah, for sure. So if you had, uh, you let's talk about the fans for a minute. Yeah. You have a mom and a little girl come up to you and say, you know, Sally wants to be the next Taylor Hagler. She wants to race. Where would you tell her to get started? Um, what would you, what advice would you give the mom or the mom and the daughter? Yeah. I mean, even though I didn't start in karting, I, it, it's been proven that karting is typically the best way. Um, so karting would be the route that I would say to go. Um, I don't know a lot about it. So I can't have any recommendations there, but I know majority of the top drivers from NASCAR to F1 to IMSA anywhere has pretty yeah. much started in, in karting and then transferred over to club racing for me, I think would be the best option when they get a little bit older teenage years. Um, mm -hmm. For me, Spec Miata was great. I learned a lot. Their momentum cars, all the cars are the same. If you wreck them, they're pretty cheap to fix. And the entries are so massive, especially depending on the, the track. I think at one of the championship races, we had every bit of like 70 cars on track and went like six wide into turn one in Austin. Like it is the closest racing you will ever get. And it teaches you so much. Like I am a very, I'm a very clean driver. I'm a very careful driver and I know when to push and when not to push. And I've learned from Spec Miata and the people that were able to teach me there because it really is, club racing really is just like one giant family um, and everyone wants to help everyone. And mm -hmm. I learned from my coach that I had at that time that uh, if someone is constantly about to pass, always on your butt, you might as well just let them go because you're going to lose more time battling, learning from them. And mm -hmm. I've taken that with me into IMSA which has still worked. Like if, if y'all want to fight at the start and turn one on lap one, just, just have it go for it. Because like in a in few laps, I'll be back right with you or you're going right. to wreck out and it's not a big deal. Like it, it's a two hour race. We have plenty of time. There's no need to fight until lap one, turn one. And I learned that from spec Miata. I saw way too many wrecks in turn one lap one that I realized it's not worth it. I saw a quote one time that said, you can't win a race in lap one, but you can lose it. Yeah. And that's what you're talking about right there. Oh yeah. yeah. Yeah, for sure. So let's talk about social media. Um, do you use it? How do you use it? What platforms do you use? Yeah. So we have uh, Instagram, Facebook. We post a little bit on TikTok, not very often. It's kind of like whenever we get a reel or like a race recap that we're like in love with, like we'll toss it on TikTok um, and Twitter. Okay. So what's your favorite out of all those? From a business standpoint, um, I think Instagram does a little better. From a personal enjoyment standpoint, I enjoy scrolling on TikTok more. <laughs> but yeah. from like an actual business racing standpoint, um, 
definitely like Instagram and Facebook are the ones that yeah. do a little bit better. Yeah, I would say so. And, you know, TikTok can be addicting yeah. even for, you know, I start scrolling and I start laughing yeah. and then it goes to the next one and the next one. And so Ooh, yeah. um, it, it can really be addicting for me more than more than anything else, just because it's just so quick and you can go through so many yeah. things so quickly. But um, and no, there's I, such a range of different things. Oh, so many different things you can see. Yeah. And I, I really enjoy the people that sing in their cars you know, and, and that. And so, yeah, I just, I just, I, I enjoy it too. Even yeah. if the, what they say, I think they think the Chinese are spying on us, but if they are, they are something. Yeah, they, a, they, I don't down, think they needed TikTok for that. But. No. And I think uh, there's a downside to everything at, you know, every, there's nothing that's yeah. perfect in life. And so you just do what you do. And I, I ignore all that kind of stuff. But um, oh, anyway, yeah. I, I kind of have to laugh sometimes at, the things that they try to scare us with and yeah i don't i don't have anything for them to find it's fine that's kind of how i feel if they're interested in me then you know first of all i'm way down the podium the totem pole of that and so i really i really don't care but um yeah so social media how would we find you if we wanted to follow you it, our instagram handle is taylor hagler motorsport uh facebook is the same Twitter is Taylor Hagler MS. Okay. And then my TikTok. I don't know what my TikTok handle is. Okay. I can pull it up. All right. So, yeah, because we might want to watch one of your videos. So, if you can find it, that if you just like probably put your name in, we could find you. I would yeah, that's what I was saying. I think if you just like put my name in, yeah, it's Taylor Hagler MS. Yeah. Okay. Sounds good. Yeah. All right. So, Taylor how what what's your the most success you've had as a driver um your your biggest win your most memorable win what would it be um i i would think that the most success would probably be the two championships back to back in 21 and 22 mm -hmm. hopefully a third one this year yeah we'll yeah. see um but other than that i think the most memorable one would be my first win um at lime rock in 21 which was my first time being at that track as well um and that was i mean my first race win in a pro series altogether as well so yeah and so how did you feel do you remember like you know when you won were you surprised excited you know could you take it all in really because that's a big deal yeah, honestly, I don't remember. It's all kind of like everything kind of blanked out. Uh huh. So yeah. I think most like emotional one I had would probably be um, the championship from last year. I think 21 wasn't like as emotional because we had the championship clenched before we even went into the last race. So it was kind of just like we have to take the green flag and that's that which yeah. is honestly the best way to win a championship. It's right. pressure. But the one from last year, we needed a specific spot at Road Atlanta, and that was a very chaotic race. We got hit within the first, I think, like 20 minutes of the race. We got T-boned and wasn't sure if the car was going to go back out. We did a drive-through. It, it, it was all chaos. Um, so I think being able to pull that one out was a lot more emotional for me. Yeah, 
for sure. You know, you sit, you say you kind of don't remember that first win. You know, that's why you hear so many people say, enjoy it, enjoy the moment. Yeah. Because there's so much happening when you win a race or, you know, any big moment, a wedding, a graduation, whatever. There's so much happening and you literally have to really pay attention to yeah. everything that's happening around you because it can become a blur and then you don't remember. Mm -hmm. And so uh, enjoy the moment would be a good hashtag for um, most people to take to heart because you really, you really want to have those memories of those things. Yeah. yeah, for sure. So is there anything that we have not talked about that we should discuss something I haven't asked you about that's so blatantly obvious that I've missed it. <laughs> Trying to think. I don't think so. Okay. See, we've covered personal life, social media. I've, I try to do enough research racing. to kind of know what to ask. Yeah. So that you have a chance to, you know, let us know, but I'm always afraid that I'm going to forget something that's the most obvious and I don't want to do that. So I don't think so. We've talked about championships, mm -hmm. my racing background, yeah. my personal background. So when does racing start and where are you going to be first? So we did Daytona. Right. January, the last two races. Yes. Or last two weekends. Um, I actually leave tomorrow for an IMSA sanctioned test at Sebring. Okay. And then we leave March 14th for the actual Sebring race, which is on the 16th. Okay. All right. So you've got uh, something going on this weekend, a couple weekends yeah. off, and then back to racing. Yep. Yeah, for sure. So do your parents go watch you a lot or they're tied up? And I know it's hard for parents to go all the time, but do they yeah. get to come a lot? So both of my parents are retired. Um, okay. My dad was able to kind of use motorsports as a, his excuse to finally get the RV he wanted. Oh, he wanted for very long and he kept getting told no. So he drives the RV to every race. Okay. Um, so he's at every single one. My mom typically goes to almost every one. Um, she did miss Sebring uh, or sorry. She, she missed Daytona. I'm not sure if she's going to Sebring. Um, I know like the ones that she goes to this year, are a little bit more sporadic, Okay, uh, but she goes, my dad goes, my sister usually goes to at least one a year, but okay. um, I mean, she's, she's an attorney, so she's pretty busy. Um, and then my cousin who helps with my social and does like a lot of PR and content at the races. Um, I think she's going to almost every race this year as well. Okay. So your dad has a class A motorhome that he drives. All right. So, you know, he and I would get along great because I was the one at my house that wanted the motorhome to take to the races. <laughs> my husband called it a box on wheels. Um, oh. Not so much excited about the motorhome. So we have, we did do the motorhome the last two winters and stayed in Arizona, mm -hmm. but um, we built a different, we built it, had sold our house. We built a new house. We just got moved in in August. And so we decided, you know, we've done that. Um, the whole going to the races and the hard cards and all that yeah. are so much more difficult now than when we got the motorhome. So now we have our motorhome for sale. Anybody out there looking for a wonderful motorhome, I have one for sale. And uh, and we stayed in Michigan this winter. Um, and, it, and it's been okay. 
It's yeah. actually, I was, I was not looking forward to it because my youngest two daughters and six of my grandchildren live in Arizona. Oh, wow. And I like being able to just jump on the 10 and go see them. Yeah. But um, it's actually been okay. I've been out there already uh, in January. I'm going back in March. And so as long as I can keep making those little short trips to see those kids, yeah, <laughs> then I'm okay. So I'm headed there in March. I'll be there for the NASCAR race and then I'll, hmm. I'll be there a couple weeks. So, you know, you try to find those opportunities to yeah. take a, a tax deductible trip and see your family. So that's what I'm going to try to do. But um, I loved staying in the motorhome and, you know, um, the price of diesel and all that has kind of made us rethink yeah. the motorhome. Yeah. So yeah, that, was, that was kind of our reasoning behind it. My yeah. dad's reasoning behind it was that it would be cheaper than like flying and staying in hotels, but yeah, the price of diesel has kind of made that a little bit. Yeah. It's smaller, but. but now the, now I'd look to see the cost of flights to Arizona and I'm not sure, you know, it, yeah. when one goes up, the other goes up. Mm -hmm. So it, it probably is. And, and I loved traveling in the, in the RV. So I, I do miss that, but that's great. I'm glad he's going to be there. Hopefully your mom gets to some and, and your family, cause it's important. Yeah to have them there. But, um, I, I just, I'm going to keep track of you, Taylor. I've, I've been following you for a while just to, uh, you caught my eye and I wanted to, you know, cause you're doing a different kind of racing than most of the women that I follow. Yeah. And so I like, you know, getting to know more about what you do and that. And so I'll be following along your social media so I can keep track of what you're up to. And hopefully at some point, I'll get to come and watch a race in person because that's yeah. always my goal is to get to a track where somebody I've interviewed is racing and, and see them in person. So I'll check out the schedule and see what I can convince my husband that I need to do this summer. <laughs> and then um, maybe we can meet in person. That would be awesome. Yeah, definitely. Just let me know. All right. Sounds good. Well, Taylor, I appreciate your time. I know you're busy. Um, I appreciate you sharing your motorsports life with us that we can um, open up what you're doing to other women. And another thing that I like about your story, if you don't start when you're six racing, it's okay. Oh yeah. You can start when you're 20 or 18. It, yeah. It, yeah. And so I know a lot of people think if you don't get started young, you know, and then when you're 16, 18, 20 years old, it's too late. It's not ever too late no. to start. No, no. <clears throat> I mean, don't get me wrong. I'd probably be a little bit further and right. have a little bit more experience, be a little faster, but you don't have to start when I you're young that. and you don't have to start in karting. No, absolutely There's no not. There's no rules. That's right. And so uh, we want to encourage anybody that's heard Taylor's story. I'm sure if you reach out to her, she would tell you more about what she does yeah. and how to go about it and follow her on social media and let's give her all the um, good lucks and, and success for the season. And then uh, maybe after the season, we'll talk again and talk about how it went. Yeah, of course. All right. Sounds good. Well, Taylor, thanks again. Do you have anything else that you'd like to share? I think we've covered it all. Thank okay. you so much. I enjoyed right. it. Thank you, Taylor. And have, have very good luck this year. Thank you.